Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's I've heard want, that before. Get the right treatment. You know, we always say aloe. The aloe is mine, but Chuck works at a great rehab in Orange County called Wavelengths. I, I don't have that weird competition that other rehab people have. Like, I just figure, well, I'm doing good, you do good, we'll both do good. This, the competitive nature of it, I don't have. So, Wavelengths is good. You can look it up online. Um, that's where Chuck works, doing God's work in Huntington Beach and Aloe and Malibu and Silver Lake and soon to be Long Beach. Mm, so, yeah. Um, and I got to say, you know, unless, if it weren't for Evan in particular, Evan and Jared are my partners in Aloe, if it wasn't for Evan in particular, like, nothing I say. Like as crazy and controversial, I say, ever phases him. Like, <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> like those are so some awesome. brave guys. I don't, I don't even. I don't even think about that. That they attach their name <laughs> to, to the beginning of everything that you start, and they have. <laughs> They if have I no don't problem with it. If I don't know sitting next to you where it's going next, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Either if it was your typical rehab people, they would just be going out of their minds. They would be talking to Mike all the time. We got to hear the next po- podcast before it goes out. We've got to hear it. Mike, have you oh ever heard God. that from the Evan? No, Never. No, He's just like, whatever he says, I don't give a fuck. He's crazy. He's Bob. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, <great>. that's really. <laughs> and it's Evan that, because sometimes I'll say, I went a little too far the other day on something, and he'll be like, it'll be be all right he's always like a calming kind of guy it'll be all right we were talking today uh and like i had this crazy idea because we it's taken like eight months to get this long beach thing this is this is crazy these the legalities of rehabs is crazy right conditional use permit and all this kind of stuff that you have it to doesn't go. matter that it was a, already sort of something yeah but you have to in order to get the financing for it it has to be guaranteed that that conditional use permit there's just a lot of rules and stuff that evan and then jared's more of the rules guy he deals with but Wait, to, you're not the rules guy <laughs> i'm, not I'm rules. shocked I'm, I'm the barely anything guy <laughs> but 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 you know, it, it, yeah, it would make sense. It's not a residential treatment center. You can't just lease a house and go, hey, we're having a rehab here. Yeah. This is like a facility. That place has been around since the 70s. Do wow. You, do you know the building in Long Beach? It's on I know of Pacific it. and 8th. Are I you think. allowed to say? Yeah, Pacific and 8th. So I, people will figure it out. I don't want to say the name of it, but, but um, it's been around since the 70s. A real rehab, like rehabs used to be, like, you know, like 40, 50 people. Not like six. <laughs> you know what I mean? How rehab, how rehab went... When I went to my first rehab, it was like 120 people at Hazelden in Minnesota. There's five pods of 30 people each. 100, 150. 150 people in a fucking rehab with one common kitchen, right? But the thing ran like a fucking clock. You know what right. I mean? Right. Well, it wasn't busy making special orders on and things then, either. And then I went to Daniel Freeman Hospital several times. That was like 30 beds. And then they had a 30-bed psych unit. If you went out of your mind, you just walked through these double doors. Not feeling right. <laughs> I'll be back. I'm tapping out. <laughs> no, many times I would be in there and people would be walked to the other side, they called it. And I always wondered if that Chili Pepper song, Anthony, because Anthony was there a lot too. I always wondered if it would take it on the other side. 
like because Anthony ended up on the other side one time. Oh, good for him. Yeah, you just the nurses' station for the rehab was right here, and there was a hallway that went to the other side, which was the mental. Before people get hurt. I'm going to the other side. I'm going to the other side. <laughs> so rehabs used to be these big institutional things. And then, you know, in the last 20 years, it became these little single family homes, six people. And so now I'm getting back into the big rehab world. And it's scary. It's a weird, it's a weird, there's a lot of laws. A lot of laws about the this Alan stuff. in Long Beach is going to be great. We can it do is. the talks down there. Right? Yeah, that's you know? where, yeah, it'll be better for you guys. Here's why you should be rooting for Aloe uh, uh, Long Beach. We can do the podcast from there where you guys live, so it's easier for you. Because well, I'll, I'll be there, and we'll just set it up in one of the offices. Well, I, I, I want to see it happen anyhow. Yeah, exactly. I, I just because I like, just the same way I like working for the guy I work for, I, can, I like working for Warren because I, I believe in what he's trying to do. I believe in what you're trying to do, so I would love to see it happen and expand and go as wide as you can. Because I know you can't cast a net wide enough to get everybody involved in something that's that good you got it well the 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 other thing is all these kind of there's two things going on but let me tell you what happened today so i get this call that my favorite rehab that i worked at as an intern where i did my supervised hours um is for sale and so right away hmm. i don't want to say which one it is but for people who know will know so i'm like oh my god we can start a medicaid place there now we're right in the middle of like Trying You've to make payroll yeah, right. and expand to Long Beach. And I call Evan and I go, dude, we've got to do this. <laughs> and he's like, well, hold on. Okay. Well, let's look. He was just all Evanly, right? <laughs> but then I got him hyped on it. I got him oh. hyped on it. But Medicaid, because the huge problem of, of Medicaid beds in, in Southern California, there's none. Right. They all went for profit rehab beds. You know right. what I mean? So. Is Redgate still open? Yes, it is. Yes. How many how many beds are in there? I don't know. I just have their phone number for people that are. Having well, here's the rough numbers, and this is not Orange County. This is just L.A. City of L.A. Fifty three thousand homeless people, right? And they did this breakdown because of Dr. Drew. I get to know all this stuff, so they gave him the report, and he's a part of this homeless, uh, whatever this action they're taking, right? 50% of the homeless population have substance use disorder. Can you imagine? I would believe it's a little higher than that. But Probably substance like 150. Substance, and Mike, I know that's your favorite term. They have substance use disorder. So yes. they're using crack and methamphetamine in a disorderly and, manner in a disorderly <laughs> manner that's bastards made them, that's I think it's made like a SUD, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. It's made a, made them homeless. Then get this. This is the most frightening part of this report. About 10% are estimated to be fluidly psychotic and and pronounced mental illness. Those are people that could stab you at any second. Mm -hmm. Those are people that think the Lord wants you, them to gouge your eyes out, right? or that they are. And the I'm not. Yeah. I don't say this in a pejorative way. These we need to help these people, not keep lumping them in, calling them homeless. That suggests we don't have enough homes. We have plenty of homes. <laughs> oh, these are the people that didn't line up quick enough. It was like yeah, musical yeah, chairs. Yeah, the homes, and there was just not enough homes. Damn it. <laughs> the music ended, and they didn't get a home. <laughs> exactly. Right? So, so you got, you got, so get this. In just the city of Los Angeles, that, look at downtown LA, right there on the wall, Chuck. Yep. 
5,000 psychotic people are walking around tonight there. Is that it? 5,000. Hmm. 25,000 to 26,000 are people with substance use disorder. So 31,000 of the 53,000 are either drug addicts or mentally ill. But, and that's by a government report. So we know it's a way higher yeah. percentage than that. But, but so the solution to me, and we talked with this uh, great woman, Catherine, I forget her last name. She's the county supervisor in District 5 yesterday, Drew and I did. There's not any county beds for these people. And they're saying, oh, well, they don't want to go. Well, let's make them go. People made me go. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was 5150 like three times. Right. Well, I was unable to take care of myself. The society owed it to step in. This floridly psychotic people having their civil right or whatever rights. No, as a loving Christian society, we say, hey, brother, you know, you're a little out of your mind right now. Let us take care of you for a few days or a few weeks. Right? That's what a kind, loving society does. They don't fight. The ACLU shouldn't be fighting for the right for somebody to walk around naked, psychotic. That's insanity. Right? Okay, yeah. So, so Mark, God, I hate agreeing with you about big things like this, but, I, but you're the, making but, sense. But So get, get with it. So I'm at the park with Chrissy and Sydney at Bluebird Park in Laguna Beach. Beautiful day. I get this call about this rehab, 100 beds. I'm like, oh, my God, we got to have a Medicaid rehab. And so that's what I've been doing all day. Chase spinning my wheels, dreaming that we're going to have a 100-bed Medicaid building by, you know, or rehab. You know, and for the use that don't know, Medicaid is the insurance for, for that population of people that are homeless and indigent. And, and I want to build a place where they can go that's real treatment, quality like wavelengths, quality like aloe, get real treatment. Not the fly-by-night shit that we used to get when we were in that position, right? Yeah. You know, because, and I'll tell you why. I went to Redgate one time. I didn't like it too much. I went to American Hospital like three times. I like that better, right? They did the fundamentals there, but it wasn't, it all led to the 12-step world. There, and This is in the late 80s, early 90s, right? The, yeah, it The 12-step world was ready to catch a psychotic Bob Forrest, <laughs> and get them to sit in a chair and drink coffee and calm down. I don't know that the 12-step world is really ready for the onslaught that, that, need, that, that we need to be dealing with. Well, now, Redgate does an amazing job for dealing with, like, just down-and-out street people, man, you know. That's what, I, that's what you were, Mike. I, I know that. I know that. And I was... <laughs> Forget sometimes, Chuck. Don't you? He's talking about like some other population he's never heard you know, those, of. No, I'm saying guys. they do a fabulous job. I've gone to meetings there. I go to meetings there. They yeah, it's meetings. a great place. I just it was a little. I've too never close. been in there, but you know. Well, I was a rehab shopper, Mike, which you never went to rehab. No, I had been to American Hospital. I didn't like them. You can't use drugs there. Yeah, you can for a day or two until they catch you. <laughs> You know, that's that's not even funny because I had this morning I go, so all y'all made it through the weekend? Congratulations. Oh, and God, they go, well, you know, Some of not everybody's did. tested yet. And I go, wait, if I use drugs, I wouldn't be sitting in a rehab. What's wrong with you? Hit the street. Go get it no, on. Here's, on exactly, uh, you, want, you want the honest proposal, honesty of that? 
So sometimes I would sign up to go to American Hospital. You have to sign up and you're on a waiting list and you got to yep. call. You call in every that. morning, yeah. And I would sign up when I was really not doing so well. But, you know, i come up a little bit. Something would happen. You know what I mean? Like I meet a new girl or something like And all of a sudden I have money. A car, a but, place to yeah, live, yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, comes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then they call my number. Come on in. And I'm like, holy shit. And then... If it gets out to the new person in your life that you're going to go to rehab, they think that's a wonderful thing, right? Oh, my God, you're kidding. Oh, let's get you there. That'd be so good, and you'd get off drugs, and we can be together. And I'm, like, cornered now. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. This is going good without me being off drugs. Right. But you're <laughs> we're, here. We're in the honeymoon phase right, right now. So... So the two different times, one at Exodus, one at American Hospital, I smuggled drugs in. It was in that situation where I was, I had come back up a little bit. I had drugs. I had heroin and coke and a little more than I needed for that day or two that I was doing. So I'd smuggle them in thinking, well, I'll just use the rest while I'm in there. But then eventually the intention was to get off of them. Can you understand right. that? Right. Well, you want to do a reasonable I wasn't going to do it every day. I was just going to, yeah. I got like... I still got four balloons left of dope and like gram, two grams of Coke. I'm just going to... Save it for Friday, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna, Friday night. I'm going to shoot half a gram of the Coke right now. And then I'm going to go in the rehab. And then I'm going to get the meds. And then I'm going to just chip away and go to ceramics class. I remember they had ceramics at uh, American Hospital. Nice. I like that. You need to bring so anyways, that back. I want to, you know, I want to have a facility that helps people like me and Mike and you. But you, you, you had you started as a teenager. You knew the ropes. Yeah, but it wasn't the same game. I mean, it was in, until 19 years old. I think it was that I was able to be on any insurance policy. So after that, it was, it was, it was Charlie the Street. Rock Center. It was Charlie, Charlie Street. Street. It was Cooper Fellowship. It was. Let the, me tell you something funny about. And me we and all Mike. know that, like, when you're on the street and you're dealing with other crazy people, that you act crazy in order to protect yourself. You know, a bit. Well, I, I, yeah, but I think you were crazy. I, I well, mean, you are crazy. <laughs> no, I was. That. I was. I was drug induced crazy. You were like redneck oh, crazy. Come on. <laughs> he, no, I. I always bring it back to Mike Mart liked guns. He would carry guns around. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, guns. he's from fucking Seal Beach, and he's carrying guns around like he's from Alabama. That's a little bit of what, what kind <laughs> of guns? Well, I used to like to steal Handguns. steal people's guns and then go trade them for dope because it's easy to trade to the dope dealer a gun for a lot of dope. Oh, so now you're responsible for all those people getting killed, too. Oh, I don't oh. care. I'm just like, hey, here's a fucking gun I stole. It's hot. Give me some dope. <laughs> okay. As long as, I, I like the idea of you wearing a holster I think and, and the, walking you know, around. Mike with Mart, for all that you I don't like know, it. is the greatest father. He has three beautiful girls. He's, a, he's a, just the greatest dad. And there's kind of, you know. Yeah, don't it, tell him I used to go downtown and yeah, open up the but trunk But he was of my a gun toting. And crazy person sell guns out of the back of my <laughs> car you know what that just makes me like you that much more and, I, I, and really from the time i met you when we first started playing together 86 mike or 87 yeah yes, for, what, what i knew because i wasn't as bad as mike what i knew was <laughs> mike without a girlfriend is a homeless bum yeah right that's true and but i i still was like i was like two years behind mike I would say two or three years behind. 
So I could see, like, really without so-and-so, he's just a homeless mom, right? I couldn't see that I was going to become a homeless mom. I know. Mom. When I met Bob, <laughs> he was doing, like, the culture club hat, the, the thing, you know? Like, I, I looked at him and went, what the? What is this? You're like, you're like uh, come a chameleon or something. And you're like, uh, I still love, I love, I love culture club. I love boy George. I love, he has a new record just came out. I need to hear. But anyways, uh, the pants, Bob, that went way up. Remember the pants? Yeah. 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 With no socks. Yeah. No socks. And then I, and once I met Mike, I saw this, like, you know, this cowboy thing. So I started wearing a cowboy hat. Oh, Mike well, never wore a cowboy hat, but he seemed like a cowboy. I wore cowboy hats whenever, you know, whenever I came across one. <laughs> Before I Mike, traded it. Mike, let's just, but, let's, let's, for, I just want people, this episode is going to be about people get to know Mike Mark. Mike, no, Mike how many, like, from, from like 1982 till, till you got sober, how many jobs did you have in that 20-year period of time? Till Wait, 82 to what? 82 to when did you get sober? In 94? 91. 90, yeah, 92, the Christmas of 92. Okay, I think. so I think. from 82 to 92, did you ever work a job? Uh, no, <laughs> I did not. Good for you. <laughs> I did, did not work any jobs. Did you, did you gain revenue from playing music? I gained some, but mostly I just lived on off of women. I usually had a girlfriend that took so care of me. He's so, a, you're and a he whore. Reason, and I can tell you the reason why Texas Horses didn't make money. Let me give you an example. I had a wonderful club at the time in the early 80s. I was a club promoter and a DJ. I don't know if you knew that, Chuck. Did I not was know not that. a singer. I was too nerdy to be in a band. But Anthony and Flea, and then I knew Jeffrey, which was, you know... Uh, so Jeffrey Lee Pierce is how I met Tex, which is Tex and Tex and the right. Horseheads. So then I had this club and I, I booked bands. I booked Lone Justice and the Bangs, which then later became the Bangles and the Chili Peppers and Los Lobos and X and the Knitters and stuff like that. So then Jeffrey says, oh, you should book Tex and the Horseheads. So I booked them at my Sunday club. It was a Sunday afternoon club at a restaurant on Hollywood Boulevard, everybody just came there and played, and we all got drunk. It was nice, margaritas, four o'clock in the afternoon. And the big These, boys, the big boys the were big, on the game. Yeah, and they come there, and they had not, they had not stopped taking drugs or drinking for at least three or four days. They were on a three <laughs> or four day thing. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. They come in, and I'm already nervous. Like, and Jeffrey then doesn't show up. Jeffrey's the one who says book them. And then I'm thinking he can talk to them. These people are fucking, this is 1982 or 83. These people are fucking scary. Tex can't <laughs> even speak the English language. She's so drunk at two o'clock in the afternoon. And it's at this family like little <laughs> restaurant. These poor people, man. What is like, it like? You know, I'm trying to picture it. Chuck, is it like a Piazza yeah, sort like of thing? Yeah, it's like Exactly. The tables had like tablecloths on yeah. them. There was a, like a little stage where they had probably like one singer guy playing the acoustic guitar. You yeah, know, at yeah, some yeah. point. And and it was just a fun thing to do on Sundays. It had become like an institution over like a six eight month period of time. Which in L.A. that's a long time in that era of clubs. So. So I'm just like, holy fuck, holy fuck, what's going to happen? And Pleasant Gammon's there. And I'm like, Pleasant, can you, can you, can you? I didn't even know what I was asking. But like, <laughs> this is not going to. and get her down off but, of the but tables? Then, but then there was people there. And I didn't want to refund the money. But I didn't see how at 
two o'clock they were in the condition they were in that they were going to play at four o'clock right there's no way so then they did and tex really literally she would get so drunk she couldn't talk but she could sing kind of and she started saying all good no she crawled (laughs) around like a wild animal and kicked everything off the table that's what i mean the owner of the restaurant was like what is this stop this Stop this, Robert. Stop this. <laughs> he was like this, this Ar- Arminian guy. Stop this, Bob. Stop it. And I'm like, I can't. How would you stop something like this? This is, this is a hurricane. And so the club was over. It was over by 4.30. And it would, we got kicked out of that place. And that's how I met Mike Mark. And weren't the the big boys on the bill, too? Yes. And so the big boys were totally wild, too. Yeah, but they knew that it was all an act. You guys didn't know it was an act. (laughs) (laughs) The Chili Peppers Peppers was an act, Mike. Thelonious Monster was kind of an act. We were a little bit dangerous. Texas were not an act. No, we were kind of dangerous. We lived it. But, you know, (laughs) Chaos and anarchy and violence. With, I w- I with was, uh, guns, by the way. With, with guns. We kept them in the car. Anyway, so in the trunk. that Mike Mart is now this great gentleman and great mentor to the Long Beach well, music you, community Bob. and great dad to these three little girls. They have no, no one has any idea. <laughs> so yeah. when I make a reference of like Mike's past, it's like, it's like there's no worse a past. There's no worse <laughs> than that. And, and it very well could have ended up, you know, in death. Prison or death. You know, yeah, prison yeah. or death, definitely. So I would bet prison before death. I've seen you unconscious and uh I thought you were not gonna wake up and then you just woke right up. What the hell's going you on? Know, you know, <laughs> but that that was so cool because I was <clears throat> excuse me, visiting my sister and her family in, in Fort Worth and uh Texas, and we go down to uh yeah, they wanted forty bucks for that I, but, record. But, but I forget the name of that the place. But that record goes the, for like fifty or sixty bucks. I'm not kidding you. But so I was talking about it. the first Texas so, No Horses record, first right? One. So I, it was so cool because we go down to where the they have the Longhorn cattle walk in, and they're doing a cowboy shootout thing. And I see this place, Chief Records, there, and I, it said records, and it's something familiar. Yeah, I you walk, gotta go. I walk in, and there it is, and it's like the the punk section is like this thick. And that's in the very front of it. That's 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 the first thing I see in the punk section. And I'm looking back, and there's Elvis Presley, and there's the Beatles, and then there's this thing Texas right here. And I go, I go, hey, dude, what do you know about this? And it started a conversation that lasted about a half an hour. My wife and kid. About and the wreckage sister, of Texan the Horseheads just, in Texas? Just talking. It, it took us into L.A. music and all the people that this guy knew who, because he grew up out in the desert, so I asked him if he knew you, but he knew Josh Homie and those guys Ka- and Caius. Nick Oliveri and all those. Caius, right. Yeah, Caius. And so it just, it, it was, it's so, it's such a one language thing. It's a lot like talking to another addict when you get, I'm a total music geek more than anything, more than a musician for sure, but it, to to run into someone like that out in the middle of, nowhere in cowtown and it was it was so cool and so i i'm, I'm gonna have him send me that record anyhow but the, just because it's so but the, cool just so you know the context and Mike, you of look it. scary on the back of it there was it's and, cool so you got to understand this is an era in los angeles where nobody's become hall of fame rock and roll hall of fame people it's just all a bunch of bands axel rose was a scary guy i was kind of scared of him i got in a fist fight with him one time he beat the shit out of me right so he was scary, 
But Anthony wasn't, and Perry wasn't, and other, it was just all, Slash was the greatest, nicest guy. They so came all along these later. people that were 86 is, is Guns N' Roses, right? Mm-hmm. So, totally. so, and they lived at Gardner and Sunset, and I lived at Gardner and Fountain, so I saw them. And so, so most people were just like normal people. What, but Tex and the Horseheads were a different <laughs> They were a different category. It was like criminals in a band, dangerous. Like if the germs were criminals, the germs were all a bunch of like valley people, right? They really yeah, were just more, more fuck ups than. I were fuck ups. They weren't people. dangerous. Yeah, but that was the chaos of, of. They were the kings of chaos. The germs. Okay, yeah, but just, they were nice people. Not, like not any when you, but, you but, but when you met. I remember being a kid, 19 years old, and meeting Pat Smear in front of the whiskey at a, at a Susie and the Banshees gig, and he was so nice, and he was so cool, and he couldn't believe people like Not like band. a Gigi Allen who was like, yeah, a died that, in the wool just playing crazy. No. The, the, the Texan Horse Heads were more like Gigi Allen than they are like the germs. Do right? you remember that time we played in Pittsburgh, and we went to that club, Bob, and the, and uh, we went to Soundcheck, and, the, and we like... Go, these mics smell foul, man. And, and the guy goes, Yeah, Gigi Allen was here last night. He had that one up his butt. Oh, <laughs> remember that? Do you remember that? We're like, Oh, God, thanks a lot, man. God, get this thing away from me. I saw Gigi one time in the Lower East Side at a club, and he went outside and said he was, he was naked. He had already pooed in in the, oh, in the club. <laughs> then he's outside naked, rolling around in the street, wanting a car to hit him. And I'm like, what the? F- this is this is going a little bit too far. That was, no, that was just plain mental illness. It wasn't punk rock. It was mental illness, and it's know, sad it to watch. It it's sad punk, to watch dude. some of the footage when he's cutting himself up, or when he's beating up a girl, or when he's doing that stuff. All that stuff is out there where you can see it. Where it's just like. Some he was a runaway train, and there was just absolutely no stopping it. Tex Tex was the female version of that. The, the guy told hmm. us this story that the night before, you know, when he was doing all that with the microphones and everything, he pulled out a puppy that somebody had brought to the show, and he pulled it out and put it on stage, and he peed on the puppy. And I thought <laughs> that is like the punkest thing ever. To do. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, he 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 liked being hated. But I remember we all, like, there was only like 30 people at the gig. That's another thing that people forget. There wasn't a lot of people at Gigi Allen gigs. And this was probably in 84, 85 in New York. No, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of people. So it was like like 20 of us walked outside. And then after about five minutes, like, most people just went back inside. <laughs> get out of the street. But, but get it. You can see the picture. There's a famous picture. It was on avenue b or avenue a and there's a picture of it i'm standing right on the sidewalk and he's in the middle of the street and the picture is taken going uptown on avenue a or avenue b i think avenue b in the lower east side like like almost to houston and that's a famous iconic picture of him i was standing right there there was like six people standing watching but nowadays, when you see it on YouTube, it's like, oh, my God, there must have been 500 people there. No, there was no, not I, 500 people at a Gigi Allen show. No. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is, is his brother does the murder junkies, right? Yeah. And uh, I did Merle? sound for yeah. them. And the nicest, Merle used to live in Long Beach. I think he moved out. But the nicest guys in the world. I'm not yeah. kidding you. I think he still Merle, lives there. He has garage sales every once in a while. Oh, okay. 
But Merle and the and the new singer guy were just the most polite, nicest guys. But ever. here's the thing about Gigi, and I don't know why we're on to Gigi, but it is this Tex and the Horseheads are in that chaotic corner of rock and roll history that is the germs, Gigi Allen. It's in that, but the music is just way better, right? The germs music, I like the lyrics, but you know, but Tex and the Horseheads were like they invented that country punk rock thing that then Jason and the Scorchers and all the other ones I always felt copied. Do you mind it being called cow punk, Mike? It, I didn't like that term. Did you like that term, Mike? I don't care what they call it. It's just swamp rock. I like swamp. Swamp you know, rock. Mm. It's just like swampy, bluesy sort of rock. I mean, we were definitely just blues oriented. But do you feel yeah. like Tex and the Horseheads invented that thing that then Jason and the Scorchers and other people kind of became a genre of music but if you weren't so fucked up the records are good i'll quit tomorrow Th that record that you were gonna buy mm -hmm. i told you i'll give you the 40 bucks i texted you right when you posted it yeah then you said i'll get it on ebay <laughs> i did say that because that's like 40 but, bucks for one fucking record but oh. i but i hesitated i'm gonna have the guy ship it to me i'm not gonna go without it any longer so many people said that's what? such a great record i own that do you think that's where like do you think was that a precursor for cadillac tramps and stuff like that oh too? yeah for sure cadillac tramps were way after what what uh no, they were about the same time that's not what true. year does the first album come out mike 83 or 84 the first texan uh, 83 83 so you were already doing that and so how did the band start i want to do the history of the band so jeffrey was going out with tex Tex was Jeffrey Lee Pierce's girlfriend, and he wanted to start a band for her to be the singer of. That's nice. Oh, so it's like the horror. No, it is like the horror pops. What's from that? the Necromantics? Anyway, same same story. But go ahead. Jeffrey Lee Pierce is, has no comparison to anything that you just said. <laughs> He's one of the greatest songwriters who ever I know lived. Who he is. He's one of the greatest songwriters who ever lived. Fire of Love is one of the 10 greatest records ever made in Los Angeles by Los Angeles musicians. It's one of the greatest albums ever made. Is it not, Mike? It's great. It's one of the great... They made it for $1,000 on Western and, and Beverly in this weird recording studio. Craziest thing. And they didn't even know how to play. I mean, Rob, the bass player, knew how to play, and Terry, the drummer, knew how to play. But Kid and Jeffrey and Ward didn't know how to play. Oh, and let's get this out of the way. 83, 84, Jeffrey Lee was teasing his hair up, just like uh, the bands that later came on. In yeah, the, he was. In he was a lot he of was, people did the teasing hair. He did the hairspray teasing the hair up yeah, that later became early a, age, before but he was, he was one of the greatest geniuses in, a, in Los Angeles history, period, any of any era. So who was in the band when it started? When Tex it and him. Started, it, was, it was rock, his brother John Thumb, and Tex. And, and Jeffrey, Jeffrey played guitar? Pierce. Yes. And then what's the song? What song did they do? Got Love If You Want It. On that flexi disc with the flesh eaters. And then and how did you get in it? Well, Rock. Rock said, hey, you know, Jeffrey couldn't... Jeffrey and Tex were not getting along. <laughs> Imagine Ooh. that. And two, uh, two, so Rock two said, you crazy know drug addict psychotic people. They, their relationship wasn't working out. Huh. Rock and oh, I man. were in Rick L. Rick together. That's where we met. Oh, okay. And so Rock said, hey, I got this guitar player. Let's just bring him in. And so when I met Tex, it was just, you know, we just clicked. And then how did Smog get in it? Uh, John didn't want to play in a crazy punk band. You know, he's like way more level-headed. And Smog lived at the Who's Who. So you just picked a guy that lived close by? <laughs> yeah. 
He was like down the hall. Yeah. How perfect is that? Hey. That, that did, was Smog like a bass player or was he a guitar Smog player? Smog was a bass player. He yeah. was a bass player. Yeah. Okay. And, and they knew each other. They'd been friends forever. You know what I mean? And so Smog then and from the time... But Jeffrey's still a big supporter of Tex and the Horsets, even though they break up and they don't get along and they don't talk to each other. Tex just didn't want to be his girlfriend, I think. You know what I mean? Like Why? Because she, she wanted Tex to be a rock star all Tex, on her no, own? Tex loved Jeffrey, but just as a friend. Oh, and that's te- so and, sad. And Jeffrey wanted. Oh, I hate that. Unrequited that's ha- love. That's happened to me before. That is the worst thing I ever. Know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's fucked. I'd rather you hate me yeah. than yeah. like me, but not want to be with me when I'm in love with you. How how torturous? Let's just stop right there. How fucking torturous is that, Chuck? To a man, there's nothing worse. There is nothing worse. <laughs> yeah. And girls think it's great. No. It, oh, no, we're friends. I'm and they like, even got a cute name for it, friend zone. Oh, you've been put in the friend zone. The friend, friend box. zone. Oh, I don't know about boo. that. Boo. I, you know what I said to when a girl wanted to do that to me one time in the 80s? I said, I got enough friends. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need more friends. <laughs> put me back I in got, the sex box. Hey, baby, this is about hot dogs and donuts. Put me on the put me on the list of guys that you might move in with and have a relationship. You really with. think I don't want to be you really think you're that interesting that I want to talk to you forever? <laughs> no, shut up, friends. Friends, I got so many friends. So, so, so then you form it, and then does Jeffrey help you get the record deal? Who writes the songs, and what songs are on the first record? Is I'll quit tomorrow's I'll quit tomorrow's on the second record, right? Uh, you know, I don't know. Oh my god, he doesn't well, even know. know. No, that's it, how you're fucking right. it is on the second record. But, but you're right. yeah, but the the on the back of that record it said um, Mike Mart guitar and vocals. Yeah, he was so a background you, singer. So, oh, yeah, that you didn't I, sing I, any any lead stuff? Yeah, I did on this song called "Clean the Dirt." Yeah. Oh yeah, "Clean the Dirt." That's on the second record too. And but no, what is the, the spider? What is the spider and the what, that's what's on the that second song? album? The, that's a great song. Who wrote that song? I did. Oh, good job, Mike. Hmm. So, anyways, I just want you at home to know and go look up Tex and the Horseheads. YouTube it. It's a fucking train wreck of sex and drugs and guns and violence. But the songs, the music were incredible, and that's what's just kind of sad about it because I think they. I think they invented a genre of music and they don't... Hold on, hold on. Don't, 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 don't. They invented a genre of music and don't get credit for it. That's what I don't like about... Because it was so much about them showing up and not playing and being like the germs and text being drunk and what ruining my club. It, the music got lost. And then along comes this band called Jason and the Scorches. I remember going and seeing them and go, this is like watered down text in the horse heads. Yeah, you know. I don't know. I want to talk about early Thelonious Monster, the first Thelonious Monster record, and how all that orchestration on Tree and Sven and all that other stuff happened. Well, Thelonious Monster was, uh, I, I went and saw the replacements. Like, I never thought of myself as going to be in a band. Like, nerdy people weren't in bands. People with glasses weren't in bands. People with pimples weren't in bands. People that were nerdy like me weren't in bands. People like John Doe and Anthony and Flea and Jeffrey, cool people, were in bands, but not people like me. And I went and saw The Replacements because Xene's boyfriend, Peter 
uh, Haskell. Haskell said, you got to go see this band. And I remember they played at the Cafe de Grand on a weekday night. There was like 40 or 50 people there. And they were on the Hootenanny tour, the replacements. And I just was mesmerized. I sat on the lip of the stage and just watched them. And that's when Bob Stinson was in it. And I was just, and I remember being drunk and walking home. I lived at, uh, at Whitley and Hollywood Boulevard. And I remember thinking I could form a band. I remember being drunk and walking those six or eight blocks home thinking I could be in a band. That hmm. was so inspirational. If somebody that, like, I, I, I think I'm better looking than some of them. <laughs> and they were so great. I know you were and, so into the replacement. And so, so I knew this one guy who was a drummer. His name is Aaron Glasscock. And he. That's drummed, a terrible name. It's a great name. Aaron Glasscock. Glasscock. Isn't that a great name? <laughs> Wait, he married Sabrina. Yeah, he did. So, so <laughs> Love Aaron, Aaron um, was Nikki Beats drum tech or, or something. And so I had known him. And I had a ringer, I had a landline phone at my house, and I called him, and I go, I just saw this band. I'm thinking of forming a band. Would you be the drummer? And I, and I, he said, I don't know. Yeah, I guess whatever. And then I was going about like how I'm gonna do this, right? Simultaneous to this, Pete Weiss, the drummer of Thelonious, and John Huck, this bass player, and Chris Hansen, the old the old friend of mine from high school, are forming a band at LA City College, at the same exact moment in history. And they don't have a singer. And Pete and I had met a couple of times, and Pete said to Chris, who knew me, what about that Bob Forrest guy? Maybe he, he, should, be, let's, he should be the singer. <laughs> like That's I had great. never, he didn't even know if I sang or not. How weird is that? Kismet, all within like a few weeks apart. And that's I remember cool. that, that's, we went that's to the, real. I, I had all this poetry. I was like a poet or whatever. I had this notebook. I had this briefcase full of poems and lyrics and songs and whatever. And I went to the first rehearsal and it was Bill Stobau, Chris Hansen, John Huck, Pete. And I had never sang on a microphone like in a, being a singer of a band. I and had KK my briefcase. Wasn't there? KK, KK wasn't, wasn't there yet. And I, and I had this briefcase and I remember they were jamming the song and they just did it for they just did that for like 35 minutes bam 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 and i you know and i had brought a six pack of beer and then everybody had one so i didn't have any beer and they kept just playing that over and over again and i said i'm gonna go get more beer and i walked to this supermarket that's right at Santa Monica Boulevard and the 101 freeway. And I'm walking into the parking lot and this guy has got a fishing rod. I swear to God, a fishing pole with a hook and this, this old homeless dude. And he's just throwing his hook with the sinker and everything at people in the parking lot <laughs> and, and hooking their carts and hooking and, and reeling them in. And I went in and bought more beer and to endear myself to these guys. And, and, I then went back and they were still playing bam 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 bam. bam, bam. So then the first thing I sing, <laughs> I went to the supermarket, get some aspirin, because my head was hurting from a combination of heroin and gin. There was a man in the parking lot. He was doing some peculiar fishing. <laughs> that was the first lyrics to, to Thelonious Monster. And it, it just took off from there. And that so was great. But it was just a bunch of nerdy guys just trying to do our best at. 
it was a combination of trying to be punk rock like the bands that we were going and seeing that night and more sophisticated like lounge lizards or talking heads or something like that. Now, did Pete, know, did Pete know Anthony and all those and Flea and those yeah, guys he already? Knew, he knew them. That's yeah. how it was. That's how I had met him. And, and then so Chris, where did Chris live? Chris was is actually from the city of Placentia. Oh. Placentia by the sea, he used to call it. Really? <laughs> yeah, and he went to uh, uh, high school. He, what was he doing up there? He had moved with his brother to Echo Park. Okay, so he, he was he like he was there. like nineteen. We we're uh, I, I was like twenty. You have to explain how great and wonderful chris hansen is he really as a person, is one as of the a person i don't know it was like it was like we were all such ne'er-do-wells and such fucking like like you're saying he convict. just held it together he was he like was the road like manager the nicest, in the beginning can you imagine being the road most manager kindest that? person Wouldn't ever if anybody could yeah. ever cook up i got him to do heroin people. one time in oh, new york God. city i was like all constantly trying to get him to do drugs because he's my high school friend so I want to introduce him to things. So he does heroin oh, one goodness. time in New York City and we're playing, we play this regular gig at some club and then we're playing an after hours gig at this thing uh, where I saw Gigi Allen, same street at Ann's thing, that thing that Ann had, right? Right. On uh, Avenue B or whatever. It was called Mike the, the Room. or The, the, the Home. Home. home yeah. What and is it called? Home Incorporated or something. Mike lived there for a while I at did. the club. Hmm. So... So I guess Chris, in between we get so paid, you you we get literally paid, called it home. We paid for the yeah he did. Uh, I, we got paid for the you know the ten o'clock gig or whatever, and then I bought heroin, this baggies of heroin in New York City, and I got Chris to do one. I said just snort it, Chris. It's just like coke. And, yeah, it's exactly and he did the it, same. And he he never did it again, but he had a really weird experience with it, like unlike a heroin experience. He got very very philosophical and very moving and very grand and very elegant and then he took all his clothes off and he was just walking around this <laughs> club we were after hours <laughs> called naked and then we started playing and the people above the the thing it was like two or three in the morning and we're playing full-on loud concert and so they started pouring water down through the floor of the building it was a rundown old building in the lower east side and water was fine. And Chris was naked dancing in the water that was being <laughs> oh thrown from above. That was, Chris, that was, that was like, I, I felt bad. I didn't want Chris to get electrocuted. Because he's playing guitar, naked, dancing in the water that's being thrown at us from the floor above in the cracks in the floor. You need to recreate that for a movie. <laughs> you got to recreate that for a well, movie. You have to sort of like preface this with with Chris Hansen was the guy like if Bob was say like you know drunk and getting in a fight with somebody, he'd be like, oh no, Bobby, come on now, get in the van, get in the van, Bob, get in the van, Maybe get in you the van, get into the van, Bob. <laughs> you know, or somebody he's very just calm and like you know, please let's go. Now, and he Bob. was in the band for all the time from the beginning until the end. He quit for like two years to go back to college. So years later, years later, um, he's out here visiting for Christmas. He moved to Nice, France, right? And he's a linguistics teacher. He teaches, he teaches now at Minnesota University, or University of Minnesota or something. But, but so he's here for Christmas, and I, well, you know, and I was like a two years sober or something, and I'm all resentful about life, and I'm living in a one-bedroom apartment with my girlfriend and son and just a loser. And I say, well, 
you know, it's lucky for you, Chris. Like, and um, and he says, oh, what do you mean by that? Like, well, I said, well, you lucked out. Thelonious so Monster really, you know, got you in a good groove and you met your wife. And, you know, and I was assuming that the reason why he was so successful in life was had something to do oh, with it, how he, who he married, was, right? Yeah. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I go, well, you got a house in Nice, France, and you get to go all over, and you're Mr. Euro, Euro dude. And he goes, what are you talking about? I wasn't, I, we hadn't met when I moved to France. And I go, well, how the fuck did you live in Nice, France? He goes, Bob, I wasn't a heroin addict. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot you can do. <laughs> if you're not a heroin addict, there's a lot in life, a lot of possibilities. Like that's That's a crazy. good point. That's and he, he's the type who saved his per diem. Like, can you imagine? I owed my per diem to the drug dealer the night before. I'd have an advance on next week's per diem just to get the coke I needed to snort that day. Right? And, and, and here he's like, no, I mean, we made good money there for a few years. I don't know what you're talking You were a heroin addict, Bob. Now, where like, was it at when, 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 because uh, we called him the Bone Man because he was so, He's so skinny, skinny. But how did, there was some guy that, some cholo guy that was, yeah, like, it was in Sacramento. So we all loved Fishbone and they had a um, t shirt that said Bonin in the Boneyard, right? Yeah. With, with, that was one of their songs. And so Chris used to always stay away from the rest of us when we'd hit a town, right? He'd always get up early, get out of the hotel, go walk around, go to the Smart museum. Man. He always had a camera around his neck, like, <laughs> like taking pictures and going to museums okay. and stupid shit like that, not like waiting for stupid drug dealers. Like and He was getting you know, something out of this stuff. Yeah. So apparently he's walking around Sacramento and he wanders into not the best part of Sacramento. I think he went to a museum and then he walked around some other area and he was in the wrong part of the area. And these cholas come up to him and goes, and he's got the camera on, right? And they're like, what's up with you, Bone? Then they started calling him Boner because the shirt said Bone in the Boneyard. You got Boner, you Boner, you know, whatever. Hey, <laughs> so, what's up, so Boner? He, he got out with his life somehow, and he comes back to me and Pete telling us his story, and we just started making fun of him, calling him Bone Man all the time. Boner, what's up, Boner? What are you doing, Bone Man? Oh, Bone Man. <laughs> <laughs> he had some hey, cholos. See this white guy with a camera <laughs> walking around camera. the wrong part of Sacramento. They, were, they took his camera, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Aww. Oh, he, he was so flustered. He'd never, like, been mugged or anything. And he's like, hey, and Bone then, of course, man. we're so sensitive at the time. We started making fun of him for being oh, a yeah. pussy. <laughs> like, Why'd you give him the camera, Why'd you, you did? Boner. What's happening, Bone Man? So, and that was a fun kind of part of Thelonious Monster. It was fun for years, just like I said, drugs were fun. Even though there was, you know, but an example of the different bands, there was nothing fun about Tex and the Horseheads. It was scary. It never went right. Did any of your gigs go right, Mike? A lot of them did. We had we had this uncanny ability to play our instruments still being completely fucked up. I don't know how. But it was. But you still have to sing the words. I, I I'm not criticizing tech, but <laughs> well, tech okay, was really so fucked up a, little, a lot of the time. Yes, but not. It was like a lot. Of it was, but a lot of it was like you know, kind of put on a little bit. Oh my god! You know, sometimes. Although a lot of times it was, she was really drunk and, <laughs> and masturbating. You know, masturbating on stage. On stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's the truth of it. Now, was so, that uh, real or there, affect? No, that was real. That was real. Uh, and the drunk was real, too. But sometimes... I what mean, was she, weird about she, Tex, how about this? She's in this band that's just chaos, but she worked a regular job where she wasn't drunk. Yeah, you could she, see was, her. she held a job. She, was a she, wait, was, she always was a took waitress. care of herself. She was a waitress. She was a foster kid, man. Yeah, you know, she was a waitress, been, and she never drank at work, and she was always did her job really well. But then, you know, then that. Then this craziness, yeah. right? When she she's, got drunk, it was She's really still crazy. around, right? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, yeah. in Texas. She's in Texas. She's wonderful. Texas, yeah, she is. I'm, I'm not saying. I'm surprised you, you don't do something fun. Like do, well, do, she's too far away and stuff. But um, They, they the got thing, planes. I was just there. Yeah. So, so, so the point being, Thelonious Monster didn't invent anything. We just co- we copied replacements, and we copied like rock and roll bands. We Neil Young. We just kind of we we're good at kind of being an original version of things that we appreciated. But Texan Horseheads were a wholly original thing. It was out of thin air, this original style of music that I, Anthony and Flea, none of us had ever heard before. They never get credit for inventing a genre of music that you that basically leads to Hootenanny. You know what I mean? And it was a band because of their reputation, because of their inability to focus, the music got lost. And I think it's very sad. And but I, doesn't and I, that doesn't that happen a lot in, in music where it's like the, the second mouse gets the cheese? You who know, is, who in your opinion, Mike, invented cowpunk? I don't know what that is, really. You it's know what the, I mean? Like, it's the punk rock version of country music. It's I like it's taking... Sort of, okay, so here's it. I think it got picked up. Like, you know, people started calling it that. And somehow we got lumped into it. But it wasn't... We just liked mixing uh, bits of country in with rock and trash. You know, it was trash. It was basically just uh, trash. trash rock. <laughs> No, and see when I, when I think of trash rock, <laughs> I think more of like Royal Trucks. Royal Trucks were like really. It was kind of like that. Jennifer Hermena, it was, very. It was kind of like Royal Trucks. That, it was kind of like that. That was some just yeah. heavy that's thrash. A great, just that's like, a great band. That yeah. really was. And so, but 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 what you got to understand is Smog and Rock could really play. So they had a rhythm to it. Well, what happened that, to me? Yeah. I wrote most of the songs. <laughs> Wait, that's not the same Smog that turned out to be Bill Callahan later on in life, right? No, no, no. That's a different one. Smog is Greg Boas. He plays with Dave Alvin. Does he still play with Dave yeah, Alvin? I don't think so. Yeah, but he plays with a million bands. He, he plays with a lot of people. He was, they, had, they were a good rhythm. So there was this rhythm going on behind this thrashing, trashy, you know, guitar playing of mics that often was a little bit, you know. Great. Just say great. <laughs> Just say great. It, it was, was good. It, and was, you know, it was all great. over the place. It was legendary. It was legendary. <laughs> well, that's what, so. I, that's, what, that's what an electric guitar is. It's icing on the cake that is so when you drums say, and bass. So when you say trash or you say this other thing, to me, that's music that doesn't, the reason why to me it has a country flair to it or a blues flair to it is because it has rhythm. Texan the Horseheads had rhythm. And, and sometimes that's all they had because Mike was unconscious. <laughs> At how many shows would you say you passed out unconscious? I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean... 25% of the shows? No. 
10 percent no you can't get paid if you're not unconscious <laughs> if you're unconscious you can't get paid there was one kind of let show in uh, that smog never lets me forget in germany somewhere or maybe belgium or something where i completely passed out on stage and then there was the one thelonious yeah monster thelonious one too, monster show where, where mike, I was, where mike I was mad at me I, I made some let snipe. me tell everybody now that that didn't matter because there were three other fucking guitar players. i know but <laughs> but it was a good visual so yeah. mike was three mad at me for some reason he would get mad at me though i was the defender of him to keep him in the band when all these shenanigans he would quit too he would just quit i, Bob was I, my fell, champion. I fell in love with a girl i'm just gonna stay here yeah. <laughs> like in cincinnati in cincinnati ohio he just quit in cincinnati. no it was in boston <laughs> it was in fucking boston the farthest point you can get from los angeles <laughs> on the map and completely it, the other corner and you but mike you would disappear for three shows and then pop back up in another part of the country you did. Yeah, you don't remember. remember. No, I do. Okay. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> so so he, in San Francisco, he's mad at me. And we're playing a really big show. It's like an important show. And he's mad at me. And he starts drinking at me. Mad. You can tell he's mad at me. And then I'm just being acid tongue towards him, like, you know, making fun of him or whatever. We were a mean-spirited band. So, so Mike gets drunker and drunker. And... I, you can tell, like, I just went out on stage and got ready and whatever, and I could tell, and Louie was the road manager, the look in his face, like, I don't know how this is going to go with him standing right next to you. Yeah. And he comes out, and he tries to hit me, and he misses, and he hits himself somehow, and he hit himself in the guitar. <laughs> he, just, he swung at me, missed me, then fell over, then his guitar hit him in the head and knocked him unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> and he was that just laying there, show, and we were all is standing there and Pete just goes Pete just went pop 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 and counted off the first song and Mike was just unconscious it was great do you remember when we played in Lafayette that one time and I quit the band I hit you with my guitar see that was another time where he quit the band I quit the band and I went to the bar didn't he just say wait a minute didn't he just say one time I heckled my own band he quit and then he sat and he he heckled us the whole night I heckled the band and then I joined joined again at the very end i said all right i rejoined the band you were liam gallagher before liam gallagher was i don't know who that is but (laughs) you've never heard of oasis Oh, yeah, he knows oh, that. I don't like Oasis very much. Oh no, wow. I love them. Nah, I just don't like. Them. They're good music, oh, they're man. Good music. I don't like them. So let's get to Milwaukee now. Part two of this podcast is dedicated to the boys of Milwaukee. So we Ooh, had a bet. Everybody knows that Milwaukee Brewers and Los Angeles Dodgers just played a very intense seven-game series. So the the bet between the Milwaukee Don't Die guys. Um, Ryan, Kevin, and Patrick, and the you weren't involved in the betting, nope, but I, I am. Bet. I and Mike were. Okay, you uh, were in on it. It was a sports thing. Thank you. Were going to get I a was... pie in the face, really? If the Dodgers lost, I don't know if you knew that. Maybe you should have told me that. I would have watched. So the bet ended up that if but Milwaukee wins, we all have to get pies in the face, videotape it, give it to the Milwaukee Don't Die guys to do whatever they want with their podcast and their website and just have the footage of us getting pies in the face. If they, if the Dodgers win, they have to jump in the river in Milwaukee in their swim trunks right now in winter when it's like 39 degrees. Is it a dangerous river? So, so no, but it's cold as fuck, I'm okay. sure. <laughs> and they have to do it naked, right? <laughs> no, and there's some chunks. Uh. I, yeah, no, but but so then 
game six when the Dodgers win, right? Or game, no, game five when they win, they go up three to two. Ryan texts me. I'm not, I hate to throw him under the bus like this, <laughs> but it, it, the, the text started coming in from all different places, right? Kevin was cool. He was like, he made the bad, he'll stand up to it, whatever. But Patrick and Ryan, Ryan texted me, I'm not really a Brewers fan. I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan. Oh. And that's like, dude, they're up 3-2. Come on, Ryan. Oh, my God. Right? And he goes, I'll do anything. And then he's trying to say, I think he tried to say, I'll take a pie in the face, but I'm not jumping in the river. Because Dodgers are up 3-2. They just got to win one of two games. Right? Then... Game six in Milwaukee, fucking Mel, the Brewers wipe the floor with the Dodgers. Dodgers oh, look shit. Don't tell me he and changed his Patrick, tune. Patrick no. then texts me, okay, he's ready for the bet because he's now thinking they got momentum. They're going into game seven. They're at home. They just fucking kicked the Dodgers' ass. He Patrick was pretty confident on Saturday night or mm. whatever, for, for Thursday night, whenever that was when they won game six, that they would win game seven. So I'm like, okay, okay. Because to me, a pie in the face is not that big of a deal. Would it be that big of a deal to you? No, but you should tell me if I'm in a bet like that. <laughs> exactly, me too. <laughs> well, I mean, well, it was going to be we are going to get our toenails painted, but then those guys are from Milwaukee. They're like, no, we're not getting our toenails painted. Right? That's, that that's was the original I bet. That in a second. Uh, as long as I can go Chuck with my own color. Night anyways. Well, so, so get this. So then I feel bad. Ryan really is a Chicago Cubs fan. He's he's forced into this thing with Brewers because he lives there or whatever. So then I feel bad. And then I'm starting to feel like we should just call the bet off. Because game seven is only going to lead to bad ill will and whatever. You know, like... It's, it was an incredible series. It was incredible, the whole series. And so game seven comes, and I'm like, and Patrick's like, I don't know. What do you think? I said, well, you guys jump in the river if you want, or you don't want to have to if you lose. And then, but I'll do, the pie. I'll do the pie in the face anyways. I think it's funny, right? So, so then the Dodgers just wipe out. Milwaukee last Was it not last night or night before last? No, it was, right before it was last. Saturday night. I right? watched it with my and brother-in-law. Radio silence from the boys in Milwaukee. Oh. <laughs> Were they in the river? The texts weren't rolling in. Huh? The texts are not rolling in. So I don't know where we stand. I'm cool if they don't jump in the river. I'm cool if they do. But I want, since they're kicking our ass as far as don't die goes, mm -hmm. I feel that we owe something. I think we should do the pies in the faces anyways. Wait, what kind of pies? I mean, fair. they do like a whipped cream pie yeah, on yeah, TV yeah, yeah. that yeah, doesn't do hurt. That. It's just hey, messy. Let's, let's do whipped do cream pies. No, let's do this. Me and Chuck hit you from each side with a pie in the face. All right, let's do that. In the side of the head. All right, if you guys are going to wimp out like that, okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm down. All right, so we do the pies in the face. Now, this puts the radio silence. I mean, I've been texting Patrick all night tonight. No text back. <laughs> no text back. So I, I wanted. So this podcast is going to come out tomorrow, Mike. Yes, it is. Okay. So, so let's let's see if they really listen. Let's let's do the pie thing. When could we do it? I don't have any whipped cream here. That doesn't make sense. We didn't lose the bet. No, but it'll fuck with them. You gotta. This is Ninja Warrior stuff, Mike. They are kicking our ass as far as Don't Die, an organization we invented. They are kicking our ass. This is a way to fuck with them. I'm we not, do the I'm pies. Not, I don't see how we're fucking with them. <laughs> we do the pies. Chuck, they're you think forced they're to jump in the river. Is this in the from the Art of War? <laughs> yes. 
Attack your enemy's strengths. Okay, well then, well, that would be us going out and actually saving lives instead of just yapping for a couple hours. That's that would be attacking their strength. Maybe Let's get them where it hurts. Man. And we keep- are so proud of them and the fact that they, they are, are the they amazing are, that they are doing well and that the the talk about the the death rate that's going down. In yeah, Wisconsin. looks like the Wisconsin. So well, you got to understand, they go out in a car with this other kid that I met. They go out in a car and they go to rural fucking Wisconsin in a parking lot of a McDonald's and give out needles. They just put it online. We'll be at this McDonald's at 2 o'clock. Kevin just was driving back. Can you back get arrested like for that? Six, probably, right? Can you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't do it. We're Those not guys. doing any of that. <laughs> well, Bob, you know what? You are totally playing the defeatist because you work constantly. I know, but this. it's not doing that God's work. And I used Chuck's to do that God's work. Constantly I used to this. do that kind of God's work. We live in a much bigger urban sprawl. Yeah, I okay. think I, I'll give you I that. Mean, I love those That's guys. That's a good I argument. That, That's a good that argument. Doing, I know, but you guys are doing great work and you know what I mean? If I, we put well, up, wait a minute. If we put up online that we're going to be at the McDonald's in Fullerton, at two o'clock tomorrow, and we're going to give out free needles. What, don't you think? What do you think would happen? Would there be? I don't think anything. I think happen. the police would be there. I uh, don't think so. I I do because would you want that happening in your backyard with your kids walking by? Wait, is that Wisconsin, could be. So the question being is: Wisconsin more progressive? Is Wisconsin more solution oriented? Is Wisconsin more open minded than Southern California? Well, but do, are the police going to get? Are the police going to get a hold of this information and and arrest them? That's that's kind of scary. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. See, there's a whole different mindset because I would think, yeah, sure, I show up there, and then what? Cops are taking down descriptions they're taking pictures they're finding out who's there um are these are these uh, syringes um are they serial numbered when it ends up in a uh, a kid's playground is it going to be come back, coming back to me or what i don't know See, man these are all southern california problems i don't think they exist in wisconsin well i mean it is a smaller urban do sprawl. they give them that's sharps containers saying. too that's to all i'm saying bob you got to give a sharps thing you got to give know. them a sharps and container i love to- them for doing that chuck man. is bringing up interesting points it's Ill- illegal to do it here. What they're able to do there because the community is dedicated to it. I went there. They have a drop-in center in downtown Milwaukee that you can get HIV testing, you can get hepatitis C testing, you can get needles, you can get Narcan. You can just walk in. You don't have to show ID. You don't have to do anything. You couldn't do that in Huntington Beach. No, it'll be you shut down. You could not yeah. do that no, in Long Beach. you cannot do that here. No. Right. So that's you cannot. So do we really want to solve the problem here that I just met with the county supervisor and the head of the LA mission? Do they really want to solve the problem when we have this litigious bullshit bureaucratic, bureaucratic yeah, bullshit? Yeah, no, right? I, I agree with you. And I'm here's not- the interesting thing about the homeless population, right? So the city of Orange, uh, county of Orange got a bunch of shit for bulldozing those homeless things, right? What do you think happened? You been to Laguna Beach lately? Do you know how many, the homeless encampment in Laguna Beach has quadrupled. So those people just dispersed throughout Orange County. Mm -hmm. They're in Laguna Beach. I was pushing Sydney by there two weekends ago. These homeless people are fist fighting on the Laguna Beach, you know, boardwalk right by the Laguna Beach lifeguard station. Nobody's doing anything. You know what I mean? So really what, oh, so, oh, so there's no visible blight 
along the 57 freeway, one of the ugliest parts of Southern California. It is by ugly. The way. And you know, I you, couldn't see it going down the 57 at night. I couldn't see it coming back from here. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't see it. That's the only time I'm on the 57. It's a. They were on the far side of yeah. I just I, I couldn't see it. But, I, I saw it on the this. on the internet. I don't know if Huntington Beach has got a big uptick in yes. drunken people on the beach. No. Uh, so no. how did this problem get solved? That they're all going to move into motels and get sober and be on Suboxone and everybody's going to live happily ever after. They, they did. That's yeah, a didn't. bullshit Southern California politician solution to things. No, and you know what they've know what I've noticed uh, downtown is that um, they've hired additional like security that aren't police the the build the the business huntington beach i don't know if it's the city of huntington beach or if it's the business coalition or what it is moving along that's that's their whole thing so it's like now when i get into the stairway to go up to where i park in the parking People structure are peeing there that's where they're hanging out because they're not allowed on the street so it's another visible thing where they they move people along you're not allowed to sleep here anymore you're not allowed to do this because before how that, is that solving the problem before before that we had a small contingency of of homeless yeah and, the and, regular and you know and warren used to feed them and and yeah and do those things and then he got in trouble for feeding them you can't feed people no they <laughs> acted like they acted that like says it all in southern california you can't they it's against like, the law to feed people, Mike. It's against the law to feed people. Let's feed them and give them free needles. <laughs> no, they were they were gonna they were gonna fine him for feeding them because we used to take our extra lunch down to him. You, you know, he's just like you know why would we throw good food away when we've got people right there that are hungry? You can't be doing this. You can't. Don't feed the homeless. It teaches. I don't so, know. What. So get this. So then on this same day, I'm pushing Sid to that little playground at the south part of Laguna Beach, the Cove there. You know that little sand yeah. swings and stuff. But there's bathrooms. There. There's, there's bathrooms fist, right there. Yeah, there's, there's a- bathrooms where they all fucking shower and stuff. Mm-hmm. They shower in those public stalls to shower for getting off the beach and get right. the sand off your feet. That's where the homeless are showering. They're pooing and peeing in the and smoking crack inside the bathrooms, right? So th- there's this fist fight and Sydney. You know, she kind of didn't know what was going on, but she could sense the anger. You can hear it, and you can hear the stuff and people yelling and stuff and this fist fight right there in that little uh planter area and the benches right that's where the homeless congregate so and i just try to push really fast you know and i'm looking around like where are the cops what do somebody get to fucking do something so then we get to the to the playground and right on the other side of the thing is this really drunk guy just like trying to get up but laying down on the grass next to the playground and I'm like trying to ignore him, whatever. All of a sudden, the cops come over and ask him for his ID, and I watch them go through this thing. And then he spits on them, and then they put, they call the van, and they do this big thing with six cops. And they all make fifty dollars an hour, so three hundred dollars an hour to take this one drunk guy in, put a spit cover on his face, mm-hmm. hog tie him, make sure that they're safe. They all got their gloves on. It's all just bullshit. Meanwhile, there's. Another 70, 60, 70 homeless people over there fighting and drunk and smoking crack. You don't do anything about that. They just wanted to take two hours of their eight-hour shift or three hours of their 12-hour shift and make a big deal out of arresting this guy who can't walk. Pretty easy to Hmm. deal with a guy who can't walk, Chuck. And I just watched it. I just watched like, oh, there you go. That guy was doing no harm to anyone. He can't even get up off the ground. He's laying on the grass calm nobody even notices 
He's just a drunk guy laying on the grass. Hmm. Over there is a bunch of 20-year-old crazy drug addicts, psychotic people fist fighting. Don't go over there, police. The river trail Don't folk. Go over yeah, there. you know. And that, that's <clears throat> and the lack of the when I was down there one time uh, with a client when I was doing the uh, beach cleanup and hired no i was doing i was working for a company where, where oh I, higher ground uh, hired power hired power i was working and i and i had a client that we were taking from uh newport down to a place in uh laguna and we were downtown and i was hanging out because he was meeting up with his girlfriend to do a lunch and i didn't want to have lunch with him so i'm hanging out in a parking lot along there and there were a bunch of homeless guys there and they were smoking weed there was probably five or six of them. The cops roll up, and this is uh, three, four years ago, before it was legal on any, and by any reach of the imagination. And the cops pull up and go, "How you guys doing today?" And they go, "We're doing fine," you know. And they see what they're doing, and it's like no big deal. They don't bother them. The police don't bother the homeless. They go, "All right, just want to make sure you guys are all right." And one of the homeless guys goes, "If you cared about us, you'd get us fucking phones, you asshole." Oh and I was my like, God. "I was like, wow, like, it's, wow, this is a good place to be homeless. It if, really if is. I'm ever homeless, I'm coming here because not only can you do whatever you want, <laughs> you can talk to the you police. Can, you, I, I have dreams of being able to talk to the police. Like that, I've done that before, but they taught me a lesson." Well, the so so this is the you're right. Now I see the the method to your madness, Mike. You can't do the things the Wisconsin guys are doing here in L.A. I I always feel guilty that I'm not. I don't think you can. I think they have a whole community in Milwaukee that's on board for solving problems, and I think we have a disjointed, bureaucratic, polarized kind of huge mega city that makes no sense there's no rhyme or reason to it you can't feed people and try to get them help you don't have any psychiatric beds you can't give them clean needles so they don't get hiv you let the homeless population grow so much that we have a typhus outbreak in la county um there's rats everywhere it's craziness i really believed they were going to do something in orange county because it's a smaller problem it's probably, if L.A. is 53,000, it's probably like 20,000 orange Well, counties. look, there were, only, there were only estimated to be 700 people on the river trail. Really? Yeah. But there was a lot of people coming and going. Well, there were 700, supposedly, seven, it was probably more, because you know how the lies go. But the, uh, how, how is it that there were that many more in Laguna? There's probably, there were probably 50 or 60 more. As a matter of fact, we used to have a place on Gothard where I used to tell guys to go. It was a, um, an interfaith services center where they could go and they could get a post office box and they would pay to get them a California ID so they could get mail and they'd set them up with the uh, GR. the no the no phones and the general the free yeah. phones and the general relief. And this place was like one of those uh, it was a Carol something interfaith services. And they would everything you need to be able to get off the street, including uh, where all the food is and all that stuff. And there was a homeless uh, uh, the place right over by the Huntington Beach Public Library. Library. So when I'd run into people who go, man, I don't know what to do, and I go, hey, this go is where there. you need to go. Go there. And um, what happened to that place? It, since we've had the influx, that building is gone. Gone? They're gone. It was one of those um, portable... They just moved it? It's just not there. Yeah, and, and so, so 
I bow down to the Milwaukee guys. They've made a difference. They're amazing. If they want to jump in the river, they can jump in the river. If they don't want to jump in the river, they don't have to. We're going to do the pie. You guys are going to throw a pie in my face. We're going to videotape it. We're going to give it to them. And God bless the Dodgers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Don't die, everybody. See you later, you guys. Goodbye.